We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hurricane Hotline on the Joe is sponsored by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Williamson is Miami. Now let's talk Canes on AM 560, FM 96.5 HD to the Joe, WQAM, and the Radio.com app. My dear friends, a very pleasant good evening and welcome to the Hurricane Hotline Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., and we come to you on this Tuesday night with great joy and relief. We are here, we are back, and we're knocking on the door of college football, and we could not be more excited. I had finally had a chance to see Don Bailey after about, I don't know, three and a half, four months. Don Bailey, good evening. How are you? <laughs> Glad to be here, Joseph. It has been a, uh, a long time off, and... Uh, are we all ready for football and ready for our University of Miami to take the field here in about 10 days? It's going to be an exciting season, and there has been a whole lot of hard work on and off the field to get this mission accomplished. Well, you know it's getting closer and closer uh, because today the network's announced uh, a lot of their TV times, and uh, so we have networks, we have uh, kickoff times, and we have practice uh, going. The University of Miami on Thursday night, September the 10th, will kick off at Hard Rock Stadium at 8 p.m. right here on WQAM, ACC Network for Television. WQAM right here for radio. We'll be in the booth. I told my wife earlier today, the game starts at 8. I'll be there at noon. Noon the day before. <laughs> yeah. I think you want to sleep there just to be sure it's going to happen. If I know you, I think you're going to, you'll be there Wednesday at noon, not Thursday at noon. We used to have a, a beautiful golden retriever, uh, Missy, and w- when we would go on vacation, we'd start to pack the, uh, the, the car up. She would jump into the car right away as we were packing so that we would not leave her behind. I said, I'll be like the dog. I'm going to go early. I'll get there to make sure that. Uh, I don't miss anything, and uh, so that's that. 8 o'clock next Thursday, joining us right now, Don, University of Miami Athletic Director Blake James, and in order to get this far, a lot of work went into it, which we'll discuss here. Uh, Blake, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We, uh, we could not be any better. We're excited. We're enthusiastic. We're ready to go. Uh, nine days away. From kicking off the season, 8 o'clock at Hard Rock Stadium. Congratulations for getting us this far. Can you discuss maybe uh, the work that had to be done, I guess not only at the University of Miami, within the ACC, 
uh, fabulous work to get us this far, to get us in a position to play football. Yeah, you know, Joe, there's a, a lot that went into it. Uh, again, I'll say dating back to uh, March when the, the impacts of the pandemic first started to really be felt, and we were talking more about spring sports and what we're doing on that front. Uh, I'll say, you know, fortunately we had the, uh, the leadership in, in Dr. Frank to recognize the, I guess, potential long-term impact. I don't know if anyone can really identify the exact long-term impact, but um, his experience, you know, really got us started with trying to create a plan to first get our kids back to campus, and then what's the plan to get them to competition. And the other piece of it is, and you touched on it, you have to have someone to compete against if you're going to have competition. So the ACC, I think, really did a great job in identifying a group of medical experts to really create a plan for the conference to get us all back um, to where we are right now, nine days away from competition. Blake, when, I, when, you, when you look back, and I know you haven't paused one second. I, I know you've been going 100 miles an hour. But if you had to pick one thing or two things right now that, that you would share with all our listeners that you're proudest of about what you've learned about the university or what you've learned about the student athlete or what you've learned about your coaches and, and everybody involved in that building. Are there, are there anything, are there some things that haven't been talked about that have just, you leave the office or you're in your car and you're saying, my goodness, what, what a great group of people I'm working with or we're surrounded with. Yeah, you know, Don, I would say two things stick out to me. First is is the young people in our program, and whether that be football, uh, women's soccer, volleyball, uh, both men's and women's basketball, uh, to the rest of our, our programs. But I, you know, I cite those four because they've or five because they've been with us, uh, you know, really for the majority of the summer, and just their willingness to really buy in to what we've asked them to do in dealing with a pandemic. And again, whether that's Avoiding unnecessary contact, social distancing, you know, washing their hands, uh, wearing a mask. Uh, those are all things that when you look at the science side of it and all the testing we've done and their results would show that these, these kids have really bought into that message. And again, you know, credit our coaches, you know, credit Dr. Frank, uh, credit our, our, our medical group uh, for you know, putting the plan together, communicating that plan, you know, reinforcing that plan with our kids. Um, but at the end of the day, we wouldn't be where we are if the, you know, if the kids didn't really want to play and they didn't want to go out there and represent the U in, you know, whatever sport it is they love. So the, the first thing that would stick out to me is, is, is our young people. Um, the second thing would be really the great support from our, you know, from our leadership. And obviously that starts with, with Dr. Frank, um, the executive leadership, the university, the, the board of trustees. And then, you know, our, our medical, our, our medical uh, experts, um, those groups really recognized, I think, the importance of athletics to an institution and the challenges we were going to face and just really stepped up, you know, to really help uh, us navigate through this type of unprecedented uh, experience. Um, that, that we're having as, as, a, as an athletic program, obviously as an institution, as, as a world. Um, but just the great support that we got, uh, you know, from campus and, and from just, again, you know, starting with Dr. Frank, 
um, and you know, the executive team uh, to uh, Dr. Neimer and Kovitz, who you know were so instrumental in, in putting together a plan. Uh, you know, there's so many others uh, that have have been a part of it. But just you know, just the the clear uh, um, example of just how how everyone at the at the university was going to come together and, and help us, you know, in, in getting back to, you know, where we are today, you know, nine days away from game day. Nine days away, Miami will play Alabama, Birmingham, Hard Rock Stadium. It was announced that 13,000 fans will be allowed in the stadium uh, for the first couple of games. Uh, how is that going in terms of the, the tickets and uh, so forth? Who is eligible and, and uh, how is that situation being handled? Well, again, as, as you both know, 13,000 is a, a significantly uh, smaller capacity than what we're used to. Um, and so we had to look at how are we going to meet the, the best, meet, best meet the needs of, of our, of our uh, you know, fan base and whether those fans be um, family members of the, of the student athletes uh, to, you know, sponsors to uh, season ticket holders. And, you know, it's really putting a, a system in place that would – uh, allow each one of those areas to have access to a, a portion of the tickets. Um, you know, right now we're working through the, the season ticket process, and uh, today was uh, you know day two of that process, and we'll continue on, uh, and then we'll open up tickets to the to the general public if, if there's something left. But um, again, I'm, I'm anticipating uh, it'll be, I guess I'll say a, a full house, recognizing it's going to be a, a socially distanced full house. I'm, I'm sure. Um, but uh, that, that's what a full house will be like this year. And, again, it's, it's one of those years where uh, the guys have just learned that people spread out all over the stadium is, is, the, uh, is the capacity crowd that we're going to be able to have. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are excited to see those guys run out from the smoke there on, on Thursday night and, and uh, take on uh, UAB. Blake, can you clarify the, the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA has stated is going to happen is the do-over I guess is, is a is a better way to describe it for the for the existing seniors or the existing players and how that's going to work I think the easiest way to explain it Don is you know you have you have four years to compete and, and generally that's in a five-year window uh, you know to not overcomplicate this with medicals and whatnot so generally speaking you have you have four years of competition in a five-year window which you know you have that redshirt opportunity for uh, for kids uh, that don't compete in you know their their first four years, um, what the NCAA has said in this case, you know, really is you have six years uh, to compete in in four, and this one doesn't count. So whether they they redshirt this year or they compete this year, whatever they do, it doesn't count towards that clock, and they'll they'll have that year back next year. And so uh, you know, you look at someone like um, uh, Dr. King, and you know, Dr. came in as having one year of competition left this year won't count. And so after this year, he'll have one year of competition uh, still left on his clock. If that's something he chooses to do uh, for our, our freshmen that come in, if, if they red shirt this year, they'll still have a red shirt in four more years. So they'll still have five years ahead of them. And so again, what it really was, was it was a pause button. And, and you know, my, my opinion just was the right thing to do. I mean, this is going to be a year unlike anyone can imagine we, we don't know where it's uh, where, where it's going to go right now we're hoping to uh, uh, be out there next Thursday competing and that's the plan as is the plan for 10 more games after that one and you know that's our hope is we get 11 games in but I can't sit here today and look into the future and, 
guarantee we're going to play 11 games. Uh, it's just something we don't know. And the thing I do know is the, the experience this year isn't going to be the one that any, any of these kids signed up for. And, and that's where I think, you know, really the NCAA uh, recognized that and, and said, all right, let's, let's have flexibility here. Let's give everyone this year back. If someone wants to sit out because of a medical reason, they have that option and they can sit out. But let's not have someone sit out because it's a shortened season or um, they're concerned about something else. Let's have it be a legitimate uh, health concern that they have. And, and again, whether that's they have uh, family members that, that they don't want to risk that, that situation with, whether it's their, their own personal situation uh, or you know, just what, whatever that is, they have that ability to sit out. Um, yet at the same time, those that want to go ahead and compete this year, it's a year that they can go out and compete and it doesn't count against their clock. And they'll be able to continue on and uh, uh, have that year back and, and go and compete again if that's, if that's what they choose to do. Blake, you're going to have a, an all-ACC schedule for the most part uh, this year. Uh, how'd that all come about? It seemed like there was uh, uh, great cooperation inside the conference also, not only with the scheduling, but uh, to move football and fall sports forward. Yeah, um, you know, we, we threw a number of different models, you know, out there to to look at from a scheduling perspective. You know, from from conference only schedules uh, to you know, again the the original eight eight you know eight conference games and, and four non conference games. We looked at eight conference games and, and two uh, nine conference games. It, I've learned gets to be very complicated because of the number of weeks it takes when you have the, you know the odd number of teams and. Uh, you know, so a, a number of, of, of different scenarios that we looked at, um, and so trying to get the 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 best experience, uh, you know, with the, the most games possible, because obviously the kids, you know, want they want to have the opportunity to, to have the, the lights on and play on game day, um, you know. Well, at the same time, being realistic, and so again, when you look at our schedule, you know, we play three on, have an off week, play three on, have an off week, play five on, in theory, have an off week. Um, and so there's, there's a number of windows in there that if need be, we can move games around and, and play, you know, populate those other windows. And, and you've already seen that in the league, uh, you know, North Carolina state was supposed to open at Virginia tech on September 12th, um, you know, due to some challenges that North Carolina state's facing, we moved that game uh, to September 26th as a conference. And so, uh, you know, again, it was, it was looking at all sorts of different variables. Um, again, we talked about 13,000 fans being in the stands. Um, and, and that's a, a significant revenue hit. Well, another big revenue opportunity for us, I think everyone you know knows, is, is TV. And so, you know, how do we how do we maximize the the TV revenue? And and we decided as as a group, um, you know, due to a, a variety of reasons. I think at the at the time, looking at some some rivalries were in place, looking at some games that were contracted. Um, what were the contractual obligations of those games? Um, you know, we felt it, it was best as long as those schools would meet uh, the ACC medical standards, um, that we would go with 10 conference and, and one non-conference game. And, and so, again, that's what we decided was the best fit for us. That's what we've gone forward with. And, uh, again, that's why we're looking forward to welcoming UAB to Hard Rock Stadium uh, nine days from today. And really the unknown to date, Blake, is the fact that nobody's gone on the road yet. We don't, you don't even know the effects of how that's going to be when teams start having away games. Oh, no, exactly. And, and, you know, that's and that's one thing that, you know, I think, you know, we're talking about football and I think it's it's probably you guys have traveled with football. It's probably a little bit easier to keep them in a in a, a quasi bubble uh, with football, because, as you know, you go from the bus to the tarmac, to the plane, to the to the bus, to the 
to the hotel, to the bus, to the stadium, back to the bus, to the, to the plane. And there's not a lot of, of going out and about and interacting and all those things. And uh, the little bit that we've had in the past will be cut off this year just to, to try to keep that bubble. Uh, but, you know, there's other teams. And, you know, how do we figure that out with, you know, with women's soccer and, and volleyball, two, you know, two teams t- traditionally that haven't flown charter everywhere. And, you know, are, are we, how are we going to get them from point A to point B in, in the safest uh, way possible? And so, again, just playing through all sorts of different scenarios. Uh, again, I think the, the, the conference uh, medical advisory group, uh, you know, has, has been great. Um, you know, our, our, our medical people have, have been great. Our, our coaches have really bought into it. And, uh, again, are we going to have some positive cases throughout the year? I'm guessing we will. I hope we won't. But uh, I think we have to to learn to live within the pandemic. We've, you know, we've had some positive cases you know, during the summer, and I think we've we've showed we can uh, really learn to to live within that, given the structure uh, and really the protocols that our, our you health experts have have put in place for us to be able to follow. And so uh, that's the approach that we'll continue to take. And you know, again, you, you think we started testing on, on June 10th, so we're uh, you know, almost three months into it. If we can go three more months with the same results we've had, uh, we'll get a football season in, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, we know you got to go um, real fast. You can make this a quick answer because I know you got to run. Uh, do you feel good about uh, other fall sports, volleyball and soccer? Yeah, no, no. Again, like, you know, like I said, I mean, again, our our plan is is for for all of them to be able to compete. Again, is it the experience that they signed up for? No, it's going to be a little bit different. Their schedule's been modified again in, in you know volleyball and, and, and women's soccer. You look at most of most of our competition, um, in, in you know especially in, in the in the you know immediate area, uh, isn't playing those sports in the fall. And so uh, we've got some conference you know games set up. Uh, you know I know we're looking at some non-conference games against conference opponents. Um, and again, they're looking at the spring. You know the NCA has uh, aspirationally said they're going to try to. Uh, host the fall championships that they canceled this fall in the spring. I think that's going to be a real challenge. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to promise that to our, our young people, but if that opportunity is there, uh, you know, we're going to be committed to, to getting them back out in the spring and have that opportunity to compete for that. So we'll take everything as it goes. Like I, I said to, you know, our coaches, uh, this is going to be a, a, a walk uh, through the year. We're not going to get to the point of running uh, just because this pandemic going to be here. So we're going to have to take it step by step day by day and and that's what we've done to this point and like i said we're we're almost three months in and and you know so far it's uh is gone as as well as i could hope for Uh, not to say that it's gone perfect but as well as i could hope for and if the next i guess i'll say i hope the next three months uh go as well uh from a health perspective and if if that's the case then uh we're going to be able to see a, a lot of competition with our miami hurricanes this fall Okay, well, uh, Don and I had a chance to experience uh, firsthand some of your protocols on campus, and I think all we can say is world-class and first-class. Just unbelievable uh, what you've been able to do on campus in terms of uh, the things that are necessary to be done, and you're to be saluted for that. Uh, thanks so much for being with us tonight. It's great to have you on the show as we begin another season of Hurricane Hotlines, hopefully going all the way to Memorial Day. Hey, we'll look forward to seeing you guys out at the stadium next uh uh, Thursday, Joe, I, I know you want to get in there early to start your quarantine, so just let me know when you're going to be there, and we'll make sure we get the food delivered and everything. <laughs> yes, I want to go inside the booth, and I'm going to sit there. Keep an eye my, on him, Blake. My, my own bubble. I'm a little nervous. So keep an eye on him. <laughs> there we go. We'll see you guys Thursday. Stay healthy. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. That's uh, University of Miami Athletic Director Blake James joining us. Yes, I'm going to be uh, – well, first of all, I'm going to wrap myself in bubble wrap between now and Thursday. 
So I'll definitely be in a bubble. And then I'll just going to go there early to be in a bubble. That's okay, Joe. You do whatever you got to do. I'm with you. Uh, you, what do they, what did they say? This we're not on the clock. This season's not on the clock. Whatever you got to do to get through it. We're not even sure if we're in the same booth together at this point. Uh, we we we're not 100 percent sure how that's going to work, but we're we're going to figure it out. And uh, uh, what the University of Miami's been able to accomplish so far, uh, because of Dr. Frank's leadership and Blake James' administration. And uh, Dr. Frank puts out videos on social media, and he has been a very calm, soothing, and uh, uh, calm and soothing, and very uh, much a, a proper guiding hand in this thing because he he's been way out in front. And uh, you know, if you just follow him, follow his instructions, uh, you'll get to the finish line. That you will, and you know, you, you you think about the athletic department, which we're very tied to, obviously, is you know, with what Blake James has had had to go through with the conference, and and Jen Strawley, and and how much she's involved, and you know, you and I've been down there, and you see people like Tim Wise doing other things that they haven't done, and Don Corzine, and and you think of the trainers, I you know, I've took the the amount of test that they've had to to go through, and then administer and then let people know the, the status because no matter what you have that test immediately you're thinking well what is it what is it what is it and and how they're streamlining it and it's just been it's it, I've really been in awe with with the amount of effort that's been put forth and the quality of care that is being given um, I can only speak really right now for the student athlete but when you think of a student athlete and what they're what they have at their fingertips with the the type of testing that's available the type of housing that they're being provided how they're being you know quarantined when they were flying in you know months ago and and how they had to be housed and situated you know when you when you you look at for something like the university of miami and you say to yourself if you're the parent this university or this athletic department they truly care about my child because everything they have done at the university of miami athletic Court has been top shelf first class with the student athlete in mind first and their health period that's it and then everything has come after that well the testing protocol that they put together uh is pretty remarkable and i would say that uh It'd be great if everybody else could do it the way they were doing it. It's uh, efficient and fast. Uh, we're going to take a break. With thank, uh, thanks to Blake James, our first guest of the uh, Hurricane Hotline this year. Miami will play Alabama-Birmingham on Thursday, September the 10th, 8 o'clock kickoff. And uh, that should get us on the air at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with our pregame show. When we come back, Don and I will talk a little bit about training camp. Who is standing out in training camp? And who are some of the most valuable members of the Hurricanes right now, and including one guy whose presence is certainly being felt early on in training camp. We'll tell you all about that when we come back on the Hurricane Hotline. Home of the U, AM 560, FM 96.5 HD2, The Joe, WQAM, and streaming on the Radio.com app. Sponsored by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Williamson is Miami. Happy to welcome you back to the Hurricane Hotline. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. If you missed it earlier on... uh, Thursday, September 10th, 
Miami and UAB will kick off from Hard Rock Stadium at 8 o'clock. And we'll be on the air at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with our pregame show as we uh, cross our fingers nine days away that we get to the starting line. The Dan Patrick Show is reporting that the Big Ten is now targeting October 10th to start the football season. We'll see if that happens. I wish, Don, that it wasn't uh, – it's been exhausting whether or not we're going to play or not. I wish it wasn't so divisive. I wish uh, it was uh, uh, a more positive approach uh, to getting everybody to a safe place to play, which the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 and uh, three other conferences feel they're in that position. So uh, now the Big 10, uh, according to Dan Patrick, is saying if they can pass safety measures, they'll play on October 10th. I have no idea if that will happen or not. Uh, as with everything with the coronavirus, it changes day by day. Uh, so that's the latest there. Uh, UAB is the opponent. Uh, we'll talk about training camp. I do want to mention UAB in a, in a moment, uh, why they're, why it's significant that Miami is playing them in the opening game. But let's talk about training camp and who has uh, stood out for you. You've been on the sidelines for training camp. We've had a chance to see some of it, and you've seen it. Uh, what are your impressions? You know, Joe, even being out there uh, this morning, it, there's a fluidity in, in the practice. And we'll start with the offense. I think, you know, Coach Lashley has done an outstanding job. And I have to really give credit with uh, to Manny Diaz and, and the staff that he put together offensively. You know, um, you, know you have uh, Coach Justice. And, and you added a wide receiver coach and you have Coach Lashley. And it looks like those guys, they came in and they got with the running back coach and the tight end coach. And it looks like they've been together for 10 years. And, you know, you and I were a part of the spring practice, the three or four practices that there were. And then it, then it abruptly ended. But when I walk out there, there's, there's an understanding already about this offense and the players – are being pushed to the limits because of the pace that this thing runs. And you don't, you don't see guys cramping. You don't see guys tapping out. You, you, you see great effort and you see that there's a, a simplicity to this, but that doesn't mean that it makes it easy for the defense. It's really quite the opposite. The simplicity of it is, is the beauty of it. And, and I think the, the number one thing probably that has to do with this offense, aside from the coaches that have been hired and how the staff has gelled together, is is De'Ara King. I mean, the, the quarterback is is exactly what you write down on a piece of paper uh, that you would want your quarterback to be. And, you know, what I mean by that is the effort that he put, puts forth every day on the field the effort that he puts forth off the field, how he studies tape, how he helps people off the ground, how he is the first to finish the sprints, how he's an example in every single thing that he does every single day. And you watch him and you're going, and it makes me feel, you know, I've been blessed to be around the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game as, as teammates. And, you know, he has that about him. Now, I'm not saying that he's, you know, a six foot five Vinny Testaverde that's going to play 20 years in the National Football League. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the person. And, 
And King has just brought so much to this program, and it was evident uh, immediately. And then what's nice to see is with the how it's all gelled together as an offense. And, you know, you're seeing he, he actually is bringing the best out of a lot of the other players. And I think that's something that is you really can't coach. You just really hope that the guy that you recruited or the guy that's at that position has that in him and King has it in him. I think it's reasonable to be concerned on whether or not there will be pre-snap penalties and that gets into execution. So we'll see what happens with that. But I do think it's better than I anticipated. I think King will make them better on third downs and in the red zone because of his ability to keep plays alive and his ability to run. Speaking of running, a guy that can really run. When you think of the spread offense, you think about the passing attack. And I always go back to when Oregon ran their spread under Chip Kelly and uh, reached the championship uh, elite level. They always had a running back where uh, you give that guy the ball and because of his speed and the scheme 75 yards later he was banging his helmet off the goalpost and I think the guy that can do that for Miami is uh, Jalen Knighton there's that that took about two seconds to figure out you know he is fast he's quick because there's a big difference and he really gets to a high speed quickly and what I like about him, and, and I actually noticed it today, is that I, he caught my eye as a receiver. You know, he caught my eye immediately as, as his ability as a running back. But he's when he's been asked to block, he's blocked. When he's been had to run the football, he runs it as well as anybody. And everybody thinks, you know, these big yardage backs that they all kind of tiptoe outside. He doesn't do that. You know, Coach Diaz talked earlier uh, in the month about how these guys have to slow down and let it develop and see the play. They've, they're, they're learning that. But more importantly, when I watch Knighton, there's an electricity that he brings when he carries the football. You know, and, and, he's, and he's a guy that it's, has uh, the ability to catch. He's, he's big enough, even at this young age, to, to hold up to a certain extent. Mind you, when he's asked to block, but I think that they've really done a great job of buying in all of those backs, and and you really got to credit Cameron about how he's he's been the leader, and that's what they've talked about. You know, last year he wasn't the leader; DJ Dallas was, and and now you look at it, and he's setting the pace, and he's running the meeting room, and he's been a great mentor for these young backs. Cam Harris caught uh, 16 passes a year ago. I do think he's going to be a very uh, capable receiver for the University of Miami this year in this offense. I think he'd be very good running the football. I think he's going to get a lot of touches uh, in games. Uh, before we go to the break, uh, quick sidebar story here. A lot of people were wondering about Ed Reed's impact, and I think he's having a big impact in a variety of ways, whether it's uh, in recruiting when people come on campus or when he's wandering around on the practice field and then is able to uh, perhaps impart some of his wisdom to a player, I think is going to be a huge help. Well, I saw it already. I mean, I, I saw it uh, today's what Tuesday. I saw it. T- I saw it Saturday. yesterday and our Saturday. I guess it was we were there, and I saw it again today. And what I really noticed was, I guess it was Saturday. Is he was watching practice? We were we were all waiting to go down on the field, and I see him shaking his head, like 
no, we can't do that. Or I see him shake his head, yes. And I was able to get, um, have a, a couple conversations with him and he sees everything. And I mean, I think that's, that's something that you, that he's, that's been a part of his game, Joe, his whole life. When he was a player at 18 years old, he saw it. He sees it. He feels it. He understands it. But you and I witnessed, I mean, he goes up and talks to the kids on, you know, when he has the opportunity and, and hits them with the wisdom. And he, but the main thing is the why. So when you've a guy that played at the level that he played at in college, and then he goes and plays a, a dozen years and wins Super Bowls and, and Pro Bowls, he has seen everything, and and he's watched years of film. He's not watched days of film or hours of film. He's watched years of tape. And when you're preparing for a Super Bowl, how well coached are you for that? And now he's got all these experiences that he can pass on to these guys, and, and he's almost saintly as he walks around now. Now he, he looks just like Ed Reed's going to look, you know, he, he's, he's, he's that guy, but you know, when he talks, you need to listen. And if you don't, you know, I'd question that person's intelligence, but, and he was a big special teams guy too. You know I mean? He's a big part of everything. Yeah, no, no question. Great presence for uh, coach Manny Diaz uh, to have around the program. Okay, when we come back, Andrea Adelson is going to join us from ESPN. And so we'll talk about the ACC and um, how we've gotten to this point and what we can expect. So Andrea Adelson from ESPN will join us next. We'll talk about the Hurricanes and the ACC contenders, which include the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. That's coming up next. AM 560, FM 96.5 HD2, The Joe, WQAM, and streaming on the Radio.com app. Sponsored by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Williamson is Miami. Happy to welcome you back to the Hurricane Hotline. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., September the 10th. 8 o'clock, we'll be crossing our fingers, but it looks good right now. We'll be on the air uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 8 o'clock kickoff from Miami and University of Alabama, Birmingham. And joining us now from ESPN, one of the great writers in the country, Andrea Adelson is joining us, also becoming a television star, quickly becoming a TV star. My goodness gracious, formerly of the Sun Sentinel. All this former Sun Sentinel people go on to uh, gigantic things. Andrea, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Very good. Thank you. All you guys are going on to, to uh, tremendous things. What happened to Dave Hyde? He's still here. <laughs> <laughs> I always appreciate seeing Dave when I come back to town. And Miami's always got that spot in my heart. You know that, Josie. <laughs> hey, Joe, I hate to tell you, we're both still here, too. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I'm just I'm busting our chops and his chops. Well, yeah. Andrea, we are... Uh, we're nine days away from ACC football, and I think it's a remarkable story uh, to get this far, and I feel pretty good that we're going to have a kickoff next Thursday night. I'm feeling pretty good right now, too, although I keep hearing uh, the only certainty is uncertainty from anybody in the ACC, but obviously you get to this point right now and you feel like uh, it is feeling good. For kickoff, they released um, uh, the kick times for the first two weeks of the season today. They wouldn't have done that if things looked like they would be going 
the other way. Um, and after so many months of wondering whether we would get to this point, I was even wondering whether we would get to this point. I know a lot of folks inside the ACC were wondering whether we would get to this point. It almost feels like we're about ready to cross that big hurdle um, and get the season started. Now, you know, having said all that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and predict and guarantee that all 11 games are going to get in plus the championship game, plus everything that's to come. But for right now, at least, it seems like we're, uh, we're ready for kickoff. Andrea, aren't we overlooking it? If, and I agree with you. We can't predict how many games there are. But shouldn't there be a ton of credit for the amount of effort and energy and thinking and planning and that has been put in place to just get us to today? And, I mean, you can, you can say that at the end of every day. It's just been absolutely amazing to me to see that when we walk on, when you're on our campus at the University of Miami, the, the changes that have been made, the, you know, the, the, the things to protect the student athlete and, the, and everybody involved on the campus, the, the, the immediate effort and attention to detail that was put in place, if, this, if, if it stopped today, there has to be a, a sense of pride for all of these people on what they've done to this second. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And this has been months and months and months of planning. This all started back in March and April when they started thinking about how are we going to get a season done and knowing what the safety procedures and protocols and guidelines needed to be and starting to hammer it into the players from the very, very beginning what they had to do. They had to wear their mask. They had to social distance. They had to avoid parties and large crowds. Um, they had to wash their hands. They had to practice good hygiene. This has all been something that coaches have repeated ad nauseum since March. Um, and so now that we've gotten to this point where the players are following all of these protocols, um, where you've only had one recent school with an outbreak in NC State, most everybody else that you hear from to this point, they've had no positive tests over the last couple of weeks or maybe just one, I think it's an enormous credit to what the universities have put in place, starting from the presidents and the chancellors all the way down to the coaches and all the way down to the players who have made such an incredible sacrifice to get to this point right now. Just the hard work that they all put in months and months at home. You know, so many of these guys didn't have access to weight room or nutrition or even Wi-Fi. You know, I heard stories about players having to to sit in their cars outside the public library using Wi-Fi to be able to get their schoolwork done. Or even when it comes to, to weights, filling their backpacks with rocks so they could have something to lift if they didn't have weights at home. Going into public parks where they shouldn't have been to get a workout in there. You he hear all of these stories about the efforts and the lengths that these student athletes have gone to. And then once they get back on campus, um, you know, basically being to themselves in their little athletic bubble, avoiding all of the danger spots and the danger zones, wearing their masks, doing all the social distancing and practice, not being able to get together for team meetings. I could sit here and go on and on and on about all of the sacrifices everybody has made. So you're absolutely right. You know, to be able to get to this point right now where it looks like we're going to get kickoff to a season, it's it's a credit to everybody who was thoughtful enough to put these plans into place and then all the people that were able to execute the plans. Andrea, one more what-if uh, COVID question, and then we're going to talk about 
uh, real football inside the league, and that is th- this. And I think if you know, you look at one of the things the ACC, SEC, and Big Twelve said is we're going to look around. Uh, at other sports to see how they respond. What happens with baseball? What happens in NFL training camps? What happens with golf and auto racing and those things? And I think baseball is a very good example. Baseball, the Marlins had their situation, the Cardinals, the Reds. But baseball pushed through it. They found a way to uh, maneuver their rosters, change the schedule. They have pushed through. They're at the halfway mark now. And it looks like they're going to make it. Uh, Do you think that the ACC, SEC, the, the, the conferences that are going to play, uh, if they have these minor outbreaks or they've got a delay or whatever, do you think they're going to be able to withstand some of the attacks that will come their way and then push through? Well, they've already withstood the attacks um, because mm-hmm. when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 announced they were uh, going to push the fall season. I think everybody expected them to follow suit. And when they didn't, you started hearing this outcry about, you know, where are their priorities? They only care about money. You know, how could they do this? And now that some schools only have remote learning and don't have students on campus, it's again, more hand-rigging about, I thought this was about being a student and the university experience. And, and they've been undeterred in trying to get this done. And you bring up a good point about wanting to see how the other sports leagues have handled all of this. From the very beginning, these commissioners had been in touch um, with the commissioners in the professional sports so that they could be up to date on the protocols they were doing and the procedures they were going to take when there were positive cases, what was going to happen, what was going to be triggered. So, you know, a lot of this um, delay also has something to do with the fact that they wanted to see how the professionals were going to do it before they went ahead and started. And baseball is the most obvious um, parallel because they don't have the bubble that the NHL and the NBA have. Um, and the, the college doesn't really have it either. They're going to be traveling just like baseball. They're not asking players to, to be in, in a hotel room all by themselves every single day. They're trying to lead as normal a life as possible, even though nothing is normal right now. So I do think that uh, they're going to try to get through it. That's why there's flexibility built into the schedule. You've already seen one game that was moved uh, for that reason. The the ultimate question is going to be, you know, how do you decide whether you can play a game or not? Is it going to be whether a position is is quarantined or positive and and you don't have receivers to play or offensive linemen? Those remain some of the unknowns about what the whole season is going to look like as it unfolds. But I do think they're going to try – and and gut it out and get through it once they start. And when you when you look at so much has been said recently of of the players' voice and and I look at what Coach Diaz encouraged his football team to do is take a leadership role on campus. Now, the football players historically have been you know leaders on the football field and have been in their world, but he told them. And has and has encouraged them to be leaders on campus and encourage the other students to make sure that they're following all the rules, that they're wearing the mask, that they're keeping the social distance, and and to be leaders by example, but also somewhat of an enforcer in a sense, with without you know just encouraging everybody on that campus to make sure they're doing everything they can to be safe. Your thoughts on that? had the the perfect messaging from the very beginning. And I remember I talked to him 
probably in May um, when all of this started to, to get underway. And he told me how adamant he was every time he talked to the players about making sure they were following all of the protocols they had to wear and, and do the masking and, and be role models in the community, because if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have a season. And he put it in those blunt terms because you have to at this point, right? You have to tell your players, if we can't follow this, we don't deserve to have a season. And you're not going to have one because we won't be safe enough and healthy enough to play. And so I've seen other coaches follow with similar messaging to their, to their teams. Mac Brown, for example, he's told his players, if I get wind that you're not wearing your mask and you're where you're not supposed to be outside of practice, you're going to get kicked off this football team because that means you don't care enough about these teammates of yours to, to, to put their best, best interests at heart and your best interests at heart for a football season. So that messaging has been there. And I think Manny has been at the forefront of all of it, just based on the conversations I've had with him from the very beginning. And, and you have to do that because he's right. You know, if you start thinking about what happens in the middle of a season, if you have one player test positive, and then the entire position group have to be quarantined for 14 days because of contact tracing, you've just put two weeks of the season in jeopardy. And you don't know if you're going to get those two games back. So that messaging is something that I appreciate out of all these coaches, and I hope the other students on the campus are following the lead of the football players because they've been doing it since June and May and April. I love this all-conference schedule, by the way, and I think – uh, after fans see it, it, it might be tough for the conferences to go back to the old old full, old scheduling. Uh, at any rate, uh, it's going to be all ACC games except for the one nine conference game. Uh, who are your top four? Uh, and of course, it includes Notre Dame this year. So, uh, as it shakes out, who do you think will be the top four in the ACC? Well, first of, first of all, Josie, I agree with you on the conference schedule. This is the, the most compelling ACC schedule that I can remember. And uh, I think most people probably agree with me. And some of that has to do with Notre Dame. I wish Miami and Notre Dame uh, got, got to uh, play this year. I was hoping for that. But a lot of it just have to, has to do with the fact that we're going to have a whole lot of competitive games on this schedule. Um, and so we'll see whether that leads to changes down the line. But as far as my, my top teams go right now, obviously Clemson had number one winning the ACC again. I got Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina, uh, and Louisville at this point as, as what the top four looks like for, for the preseason. Uh, but having said all that, you know, the team that I really am excited to watch is Miami, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. Obviously, Derek King is number one. But the fact that, you know, Manny and the staff have continued to rave about what Derek has brought to the table, not just uh, on the field and the changes that they're going to have on offense this year, but the leadership that he's brought. You know, Manny said today um, that, that this team is far more connected than it was a year ago. I'm sure some of that has to do with the leadership that Derek has, has brought to the table and, and leadership across the board. You know, you're seeing it at a bunch of different position groups. The defensive line, even though Rousseau is not going to play, still I think has a chance to be 
outstanding this year and and nothing but raves about uh, the running back group. I know that that depth is lacking a little bit there, but from the guys who've taken the reps in practice, it sounds like that group's going to be great too. If the offensive line can come together a little bit, given what the potential is in this offense and what Derek King can do, um, I'm really excited to see what Miami is uh, is going to be capable of this year. Well, we're going to get Louisville in the second week okay. of the season. And uh, 2-2 Atwell, Mikel Cunningham, uh, two great players for Louisville, along with uh, JV and Hawkins, their running back. So uh, that'll be an early season matchup, and we'll see how Miami Ferris a year ago, the Canes beat Louisville. Louisville's got a tremendous run game, lots of offense. Defense was a struggle for them. Uh, but, Andrea, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. And uh, I don't know if we'll be able to see you at a game or not this year uh, because of all the bubbles, but uh, we appreciate you being on the show with us. Well, if I'm not there, just know that I'll be there in spirit. So thanks for having me, guys, and stay safe, everyone. All right. Take care. Andrea Adelson joining us from uh, ESPN and the ACC Network and uh, former Sun Sound reporter. All right, Don, that's our first hour. we got another hour to go. Okay, good. You in shape? We're resting up. Yeah, we're resting up, baby. We've been we've been resting for a while. Yeah, yeah we're rested. Trust me. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Corey Gaynor, University of Miami Center. We'll do that after this break. Uh, we'll hear from Corey Gaynor, and then uh, Don will break down the Hurricanes' offensive line. Uh, that's coming up next in hour number two of the Hurricane Hotline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 